What's up, Duke fans, and welcome to another episode of the Duke Blue Central podcast. Coming at you live tonight after an impressive, impressive win from the Duke Blue Devils facing the LaSalle Explorers. Happy to be back with you after a little bit of a break after the Bucknell game. I was actually in Cameron for the Bucknell game. Uh, didn't have time to record a podcast until this game was approaching. Figured I'd just uh, make it up in this uh, one big podcast covering uh, the my post-game thoughts after the LaSalle game. Great performance uh, from Duke from at Bucknell, by the way. Uh, I don't want to linger on that game for too long Jared McCain with a great performance I thought he really needed to see the ball go through the hoop uh, like he did in that game I think he finished with 17 um, I think Mark Mitchell ended up leading us in scoring with a incredible game for him I believe a career high thought he was uh, at times Duke best players on the court uh, last game against Bucknell but let's move on from that uh, that game is old news we're talking about Duke versus LaSalle tonight also give me another I don't think I've ever heard a college team's mascot being the Explorers. I was trying to think. Somebody uh, somebody, let me know if any other college has that nickname, the LaSalle Explorers. Very interesting name. But uh, regardless, LaSalle was, uh, is probably going to be the best team that Duke played in this kind of Blue Devil Challenge they put together uh, featuring Bucknell, LaSalle, and I believe Southern Indiana is our next game. Uh, LaSalle, I think, is pretty head and shoulders above those other two teams uh, they're an old team, a really small team, a, a team that doesn't play a lot of guys. Uh, I believe they said on the broadcast and through some of my research that coming into this game, LaSalle had only played eight players on the whole year. Uh, they were 4-0 coming into this game with only playing eight guys, so not a guy, not a team with a, a particularly deep bench or anything. But they're a team that plays small, loves to run, and loves to shoot three. So I thought this was going to be a really interesting test of Duke's defense, seeing how we defended a team like this, uh, a team with uh, not as much dominating size, but a team that loves to get out and transition and shoot. And I thought Duke's defense passed that test with flying colors today. LaSalle was really not able to get anything going uh, to compete with the offense on the other side of the ball from the Blue Devils, uh, especially in that second half uh, where the Blue Devils were just on fire uh, basically from the jump. But let's break down this game. Uh, from the first half, I'm really not surprised LaSalle stuck around as long as they did. I, I think it was, I can't remember the minute mark, but it was a three-point game, I think, with a less, ten, less than 10 to go in the first half. It might have even been uh, closer than that. Didn't feel like a, a game Duke was ever going to surrender. Uh, just felt like a case of one of those pesky teams uh, hitting tough shots, making threes. In the first half, they got to the line several more times than Duke did, and, and that kind of helped them stay in this. But it, it just never felt out of control, uh, to me anyway, uh, in the first half from Duke. It, it felt like... You know, we'd, we'd go up by 10 and step off the gas a little bit and let them catch up, which isn't something great. Uh, but I, I never once thought Duke was in danger of even being down or, you know, heading into halftime with a small lead. I, you know, felt I think we uh, we were up 10 at the half, uh, and that even felt like we, were, we should be up by more. Um, but a big part of that first half was Kyle Filipowski getting into early foul trouble. He picked up a couple of early fouls that were not really necessary. Um, now, I'm not too upset at it this game. You know, this is a game where I would say uh, Flip Mike can take a rest uh, for a large portion of it just with kind of the injury scare uh, he had at Bucknell, which, by the way, happened uh, right in front of our seats. I mean, we were we were sitting in the uh, upper camera and right above the crazies in the student section. Flip tweaked his ankle. 
uh, right in front of us, got got a front row seat to that, which is not something I was looking forward to. Uh, was very concerned he wasn't going to come back out of the locker room in the second half. Uh, but after the rest of the team jogged out, uh, he jogged out by himself and then started the second half and uh, looks fine. So <laughs> a little bit of a scare last game, but but he came back. And a big part of the, the first half story was uh, was him getting in foul trouble. But that led to something positive, I think, that Duke can build on leading forward, which was the play of Tyrese Proctor, which was by far the most aggressive I've seen him, I think, in his Duke career. I thought he was really aggressive last year in that last game of the season against Tennessee. And I think this is probably the most just hunting version of Tyrese Proctor that we've seen since that game. Uh, just constantly looking for a shot, constantly looking to get into the lane for those mid-range pull-ups uh, he's become so good at. Uh, using his dribble, using his handles, making good passes. I don't think he finished with a turnover tonight, uh, as he usually does, which is crazy for a guard of his caliber that has the ball as much as he does. Um, was good from three, made several threes, uh, made one off an offensive rebound, which you love to see. Uh, but just, man, best game we've seen from Tyrese Proctor so far this year. And I think this is a performance for him that if you're John Shire, uh, you can tell him in the locker room, hey, let's see some more of that from you, especially in times where Flip uh, is off the court like he was for a majority of the first half. Uh, we needed somebody to step up, lead the team, lead the offense, and, and that person tonight was uh, Tyrese Proctor. Uh, nothing more I can really say about him this game. is just kind of the perfect game we need to see from him. Uh, just aggressive, hunting, uh, keeping the ball, dribbling, looking for the right pass, but not being afraid to uh, get your own stuff every once in a while. I think it's not really a knock on him, but uh, sometimes it feels like Tyrese can almost pass too much because I think that's such a huge part of his game. That, But he needs to realize I think he's you know, one of the top dogs on this team, and, uh, and he can afford to, to be a little selfish sometimes and, and take his own shots, and, and he did that a lot tonight, and it, it, uh, it returned – in spades let me pull up the box score for uh Tyrese Parker finish yeah seven for 11 two for three from three perfect from the line seven rebounds four assists 22 points uh awesome game from Proctor what, what more can you say about this kid uh and what he did tonight but there was a surprising uh, who I would call the second best player in the first half uh and that was one Sean Stewart I thought Sean Stewart uh, it was close between him and Mark Mitchell, but but I think Sean Stewart was the second best player for Duke in that first half. He uh, he filled in for a lot of those flip minutes where he was on the bench, and man, this kid just continues to impress as he comes off the bench, and I think it's going to get more and more minutes as this season goes along. He, there's just a certain energy when he comes into the game. He is a monster on the boards, even though he's only 6'9". I think that we've got him listed at 6'9". He might even be an inch shorter than that. But uh, the kid can just jump out the gym and uh, has such a motor and drive and just athleticism and just work ethic almost uh, when you watch him play. Uh, he plays like he needs his hands on every rebound. Uh, he goes after the ball, maybe the hardest out of anybody on this team. He's always winding up on the floor, diving after loose balls, uh, fighting on the offensive side of the glass. I mean, there's just <laughs> there's not a lot of more compliments I can give for Sean Stewart and maybe calling him the hardest wor pure worker on this team when he's on the floor. It just feels like every time he comes into a game, no matter how many minutes he gets, he always leaves his fingerprint on the game no matter what. I think he played 14 minutes tonight and had four, or had 16 points maybe. Yeah, he finished with 
16 points, one block, 10 rebounds, six of those being offensive. Perfect from the line, shooting seven for nine. I mean, that's by far the best game of his career as a Blue Devil. And and something that if he can continue, man, come uh, January, February, March time, he is going to be a real weapon for Duke to utilize off the bench. And, and something that's so great about Sean Stewart is he's perfect for this year's team and that he covers up a lot of the weaknesses that this squad has you know we talk about having to play flip at the five so much and maybe the lack of rebounding we have I I think Sean Stewart makes up for a ton of that I I think every time he's on the floor he's getting rebounds he's getting offensive rebounds over bigger guys he covers up for a lot of the rebounding errors uh, we make as a team and then I think defensively he's a guy you know he's not a uh post clogger or ultimate rim protector like a lively or mark williams but he can hold his own against fives as long as they're not just super big and dominating size wise he can hold his own against uh, most college fives and block shots but something he can do that those other guys could do to a lesser extent is i feel like he can guard every position on the court i think if you get him he got into some situations today uh where he got crossed up a little by uh, the LaSalle's point guard. So as long as you're not putting him on just an ultra shifty three-point sniper, I think he can guard one through five. And I think, you know, he's one of several players on this team, actually, that I think could potentially guard both guards and centers and fours all alike. Um, but but just a weapon John Shire can use off the bench for this year's team, especially as he continues uh, to improve and, and this is we got to keep in mind too we're watching Sean Stewart right now put up you know 16 points and essentially all the points he's getting are putbacks or right by the basket dunks and layups and things like that and, and some free throws uh, we're not seeing any type of real post game or a mid-range jumper or, or even driving from the outside of the lane uh, this is all just he's been able to do all this just while kind of cleaning up the glass and and doing putbacks which is something extremely exciting for his career looking forward you know I start thinking about not only the end of this year but next year's squad uh, if he's gonna stay which I have already predicted he will is with all the other freshmen I think all of them are gonna stay but uh but Sean you know one that definitely projects to be a sophomore at Duke the idea of him improving at all on the offensive side of the ball, you know, maybe getting a shot, uh, not even not necessarily a three, but uh, but just a mid-range jumper so he can keep defenders all, uh, honest, uh, that is going to be a scary sight for college basketball. When you have a guy with that much athleticism and uh, work ethic and motor, uh, if he can get any sort of jumper or hook shot or fadeaway, uh, man, look out for him. But I've ranted enough about Sean Stewart. What a game from him. Uh, second half, man, Kyle Filipowski came out and put on a show. Uh, I, I think he showed why he is one of the best players in college basketball tonight. At times, it didn't even look like he was trying out there and could just get whatever he wanted, whether it was post, whether it was mid-range, whether it was three. His passing was off the charts tonight. I thought the best play of the game was a no-look pass to Sean Stewart from Kyle Filipowski that was uh, oh, just crazy. One of those Zion-esque no-look passes from half court that we were used to Zion making back in the day. Uh, Flip was just on another level in that second half. And I think maybe... Gosh, there's so many things that have improved about his game from last year. When you when you talk about a guy who has 
who was already so good his freshman year, I, I think it would have been easy for Flip to kind of kick back in this offseason and know, hey, look, I'm ACC freshman of the year. You know, I'm getting all these preseason nominations. It, it, it would, been, would have been easy for him to not put as much work in in the offseason. Uh, but, man, he has come out this season and, and just improved, I think, every facet of his game. And now the hip surgery is part of that. He looks quicker. He looks like he can move better. But there were times last year Flip could be a little turnover prone where he would get a little spin move happy in the post and get some offensive fouls called. He's not doing any of that this year. And and maybe I think the most important thing he's improved about his game is he is consistently knocking down that that standstill open three-point shot. And that's all he needs to do. You know, there are times he can make a three off the dribble, but, but that's not necessarily what we need from him, uh, at least at this point in the season. He just needs to be able to hit that open three uh, to make sure defenders have to come up and guard him on, on the three-point line. And, and boy, when you get an opposing five, or really anybody guarding flip at the five or flip uh, at the three-point line, it is a recipe for disaster for the other team because he can do so many things out there that opposing big men are just not used to seeing from a guy of his size. Uh, we talk about driving to the lane, spin moves, uh, tough finishes through contact. It, it is a recipe for disaster uh, when you go out there to guard him by the three-point line, so much so that I think the best defensive teams might recognize this and just live with him shooting that three, even if he's knocking it down. I, I just think too many question marks pop up when you have to send your center out to guard him at the three-point line, there are so many things that can happen, and none of them are good for your defense. I, I think teams are going to continue to sag off him from that three-point line almost no matter what clip he hits, um, which is something he knows and I think should use to his advantage. Keep hitting down that standstill three. You know, Coach K always talked about uh, the free throw and the standstill three. If you can do those two things, you can have a long career and you're going to win a lot of basketball games. And and uh, Flip can take that to heart with the standstill three, consistently knocking that down. But uh, what a monster game from Kyle Filipowski. Kind of some overall team stats going next. Duke finishes the game with 21 assists, uh, I think to about 36 made baskets. That's right, 21 assists to 31, uh, 36 made baskets pretty good assist ratio there uh, shooting 40 percent from three is a huge development for this team something I had thought and I think tweeted about uh, going into this Blue Devil Challenge really the biggest thing I wanted to see was Duke improve as a three-point shooting team a second on that list might have been Duke's pace of play picking up which it has but um number one for me was that this team has to improve in three-point shooting or had to improve in its three-point shooting coming off of the big games to start the year. You know, they shoot well against Dartmouth, Arizona. They don't shoot particularly well from three, I believe, if I'm remembering that right. And then uh, against Michigan State, they didn't shoot the ball deep uh, particularly well other than Caleb Foster, who I think went something like four for five from three. If you don't have his performance, I think Duke was abysmal from three in that game. And, and for a team that's going to roll out three guards, uh, a small team, you know, that that's goal is playing fast and getting a lot of shots up, you got to hit your threes. If, you, if you're – a Duke fan or a Duke coach or a Duke player, and you want this team to be successful and reach Phoenix, which is where the Final Four is located, this has got to be a team that can hit 35-plus percent uh, of their threes. And and I thought that 
if we couldn't do that against some of this lower competition in the Blue Devil Challenge, I, it would be something to keep an eye on because uh, this team can't afford to go too cold from three with just the style of play that we're getting. Now, I think we can win a game in a lot of ways. This team's very versatile, one of the best in the country. But the strength, the best that this Duke team is going to be is when we're hitting, you know, 35 to 40% of our threes and playing quick and shutting down teams on defense. And and I thought we've, we've done that so far in this challenge. I think we even shot the ball better from three against Bucknell. I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but uh, lights out from three that game, and it continues uh, with 40% from this game. <laughs> Not outstanding. TJ Power coming off the bench and getting nine points in garbage time on three for four shooting from three. So that maybe pads the numbers a little bit. But I thought – and it, the shots Duke took – the guys who needed to hit him, hit him. I think Jared McCain hit one three, one for three. Or let me look here. Uh, Jared McCain goes two for four, actually, from 350%. You'll take that from him. Proctor goes two for three. You'll take it from him. Flip hits two, two open ones, two for three. Uh, and then TJ Power hits three for four. A couple Roach, Mitchell, and Foster finish the game without a three. Those are the guys who dragged down, uh, dragged down the percentage. Foster and Roach uh, were kind of abnormally cold tonight from three anyway Roach has had a few uh low scoring games I'm not he only had four points tonight on eight shots I'm not particularly worried about Jeremy Roach especially because we know I think he can turn it up and turn it down when it matters I think he knows that these games are almost like extended practices where you're just figuring more stuff out and I, I don't think he's too worried about getting his own uh, against this kind of opponent. I'm not too worried about him, but I guess something to keep an eye on as this team continues to gel. Uh, Roach seems to be uh, getting smaller and smaller in the uh, in the scoring column, but uh, I- I'm not too worried about it. Just just something to maybe raise your eyebrow out and uh, and and keep an eye on. But yeah, biggest biggest takeaway. Uh, some of the biggest takeaways from these two games have been Duke's continuing and kind of rebounding to shoot well uh, from three. Also want to point out only five turnovers for the entire game from Duke. That is massive, especially with having, what did I say earlier, 21 assist uh, to five turnovers. You will take that. Uh, you will take that all day. Uh, just really clean basketball tonight. I, I thought there were times the offense stalled in the first half, but man, that whole second half was a thing of beauty to watch moving the ball around. I mean, kicking into the paint and then kicking out of the paint to open threes. Duke got out in transition considerably more, and that led to some open shots, uh, some open dunks, and some open threes. But just cl- a clean game from Duke. Five turnovers is, is, I mean, if you could have that every game, uh, you'll take it every time. And kind of wrapping up to my final thoughts here, I thought big thing against LaSalle was that Duke proved that we can guard a small and shifty team that shoots well from three or, or tries to shoot the ball a lot from three. Um, that's the main challenge LaSalle uh, was going to present tonight. This was one of those games where, you know, you almost expect them to come out playing lightning fast and they hit 60% of the threes in their first half. Uh, didn't happen. Uh, Duke played great defense on the three. They knew that that was LaSalle's game plan and hounded them on threes. Uh, I thought almost every shot especially from outside that LaSalle put up was contested, heavily contested. The open ones LaSalle hit several of them. But, uh, man, I think this defense is – the Duke's defense has actually been better to begin the year than I thought. I I thought we were going to suffer more without Lively. I I thought Lively maybe – 
covered up more of our defensive uh, mistakes than maybe Duke fans wanted to admit. But so far, they're proving me wrong. I, I think this team has been excellent defensively and has been is farther along than the offense right now, I think you could even say, uh, which is weird considering how many weapons we have on this team. Uh, but I think Duke proved that they can guard a really odd style of play tonight with just a bunch of small old guards that can shoot well. And uh, I'll, I'll leave you with this last thought. Eh? I think this is just this is one that's going to be a thing for the entire season, I think, but especially in the beginning of the year. Duke is just such a difficult team to prepare for this season. If you're an opposing coach, other than stopping flip, which I think is every opposing coach coach's number one game plan, is to try to, you know, whether it's leave them open at the three-point line and just let them live and die by the flips threes or try to get them in foul trouble. I think stopping Filipowski is every opposing coach's strategy when playing Duke. But other than that, this team is just so hard to prepare for. I mean, we were talking a few games ago against Michigan State, Champions Classic, huge stage. Caleb Foster, I think, shoots five for six or four for five from three or whatever. I think he makes five threes, scores 18 points, and looked like maybe Duke's best player in the second half of that game and put the team on his back and just was unstoppable on the offensive side of the ball. And today, he finishes with seven points, one free throw in there, doesn't make a three. Now, I'm not saying Foster had, you know, I, I, he wouldn't tell you he had his best game, but he didn't play the worst. I think it was more of an opportunity thing for him, and, and he just didn't make some shots, which is all fine. But when you're an opposing coach, who who else do you try and stop on this team after flip? I mean, even if you want to say Proctor. Proctor has had games where he hasn't looked to score the ball as much, and he's been more of a passer. So, okay, do you leave somebody off of him and send a guard at McCain? Well, McCain last game hit 17, <laughs> made 17, had 17 points on an excellent three-point shooting percentage. Uh, and then, you know, we know against Arizona, I think he put up, or against Michigan State, I don't, I don't know if he had a basket in that game. Uh, you know. And then you look at guys like Foster, even a guy like Ryan Young, who has the capability of dropping 8 to 10 points on you in any given night. A guy like Blakes, who can make a 3 or 2 when he's needed. And especially a guy like Sean Stewart, who we haven't seen a lot from, uh, all of a sudden goes for 16 tonight. I just, as you're planning a defense for this team, it's so hard to predict who is going to go off from night to night. And I actually think it's a blessing and a curse for this Duke team. I think it's a curse because you don't have those three guys that you're like, okay, these guys are going to get me 15 tonight no matter what. Other than Flip, I think you know you don't have three or four guys that you're like, okay, if it all else fails, I know these guys are going to get me 10 to 15 to 15 to 20 points tonight. I know all of them can do it. But it's like – instead of it's it's cursed because you know you you might not have a guy a secondary guy you can rely on for massive amounts of points uh maybe like duke usually does um you know i'm thinking about think about marvin bagley and grayson allen's team uh, you knew any given night those were the two guys everybody knew it duke knew it the opposing team knew it they knew you got to stop those two guys and typically more times out of not, those two guys were game and uh, and were ready to step up and lead Duke. This team, I, I think other than Flip, that second guy is kind of up in the air right now. And I think that's a blessing for Duke because you have, I think, a list of six to seven guys who could score 20 any given night. 
it could be Proctor's night one night, and they feed him the ball like it was tonight. He shoots really well. He ends up with a 20-bomb. Could be Sean Stewart's night where he's getting offensive rebounds and put-out dunks, and all of a sudden you look up and he's got 16. And you were worried about McCain and Foster, and all of a sudden Proctor and Mitchell have accounted for 35 points of offense. It, that is just what a nightmare scenario for opposing coaches to have to worry about how many guys can put up 20 in any given night for this Duke team. I, I just think, you know, it could be bad for Duke in some games where maybe none of the guys show up other than Flip. That's probably the biggest worry is that you got a random off night in the tournament where maybe nobody shows up except Flip and nobody's hitting their shots. Um, but the flip side of that is, no pun intended there, is that opposing teams, I think, are going to have a really hard time scouting Duke other than stopping Flip. There's just so many guys that can give you problems, so many matchup problems. Uh, this offense, when it clicks, and, you know, God forbid they all get it going at the same time. You know, the, the day that Jared McCain and Caleb Foster both go, you know, three for four or three for three on their threes, it, it's going to be a rough night for the opposing team. And, you know, especially if you factor in Sean Stewart getting 10 to 15 off the bench, like, uh, just hard to stop this team. But, uh, but that's something to watch out for as this year goes along is, you know, does Duke become increasingly relied, uh, relying on certain players, or does it continue to be this just scoring by committee slash flip getting you 15 to 20 every night? Um, I like the scoring by committee. I, I enjoy that, you know, when I watch a Duke game, it's like who's going to – Who's going to explode tonight other than Flip? Who's going to be the one to be that second man up? It's already been Mark Mitchell. It's been Jared McCain. It's been Tyrese Proctor. It's been Caleb Foster. And even to some extent in that Michigan State game, it was Ryan Young. Um, man, just I can't imagine trying to draw up a scheme to stop this Duke team. But that's all good stuff because we're Blue Devil fans here and we, we're rooting for Duke to win every game. Uh, so, yeah, it's been great coming back at you again. Sorry again for not coming at you at the uh, the Bucknell game. Hope you guys are enjoying these post-game uh, coverages. This is the plan uh, moving forward for the season. I'm trying to record an episode directly after each and every game so I can get in your feeds quick uh, so you got something to listen to night of if you want. Uh, even though it's uh, it's sometimes can get pretty late releasing these. Hope you guys are enjoying, enjoying it. If you want to help the show, you can uh, rate us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening. Share it with a Duke fan that you like, and you can follow me over on Twitter at Duke Blue Central. It's been great. Uh, hope you'll be back with me soon. Go Blue Devils.